Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melniki, accompanied by my favorite coworker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing today, Robert? Ali, the Monday leading into March Madness weekend is, is one where I could finally just lean back in this office chair and just say, okay, what in the hell just happened? How did we get here? And I'm telling you, for someone that's addicted to chaos like I am, Boy, do I love what just happened. I don't think anyone foresee, for, foresee, foresaw what, what, yeah, foresaw what <laughs> was going to transpire. No number one seeds for the first time in history advanced past the Sweet 16. I, I can't say I was completely surprised. Let's start with the Sweet 16. Let's go all the way back to Thursday and Friday's games. I can't say I was totally surprised with Houston and Alabama losing. I think Alabama, I was a little more surprised because I literally thought they had a cakewalk, especially with teams like Arizona and Baylor going down early. But Houston didn't surprise me. I know they probably surprised you because you were confident that they would go all the way. But it didn't really surprise me. And quickly, just for the, the readers to or the listeners to know, I am still, I'm currently sitting second in all three of my March Madness pools. I just need UConn to win one game and I will win two of them. Uh, I can't win the other one because the person in front of me has UConn and he has, I think, 40 more points than me. So there's just no mathematics that I would be able to pass him. So I had a very good year with, with my brackets, especially at the last two years. I don't think I made it outside of opening weekend. But let's get back to the number one seeds, Robert. Who surprised you the most losing losing over the weekend was it Alabama losing to San Diego State or was it Houston losing to Miami you know um definitely Alabama I I thought that Houston probably had a a, a bit of a problem again just being from the American Conference yes did did they have all of the pieces there but yet then again their strength of schedule was the one that I was mostly concerned about Alabama on the other hand they had everything in their favor, and I didn't think that they were going to have any kind of uh, of resistance, uh, literally probably up until championship game, Allie. Yeah, I, I when I saw Alabama was losing, and then they kind of came back in the second, I think they pulled within a point or two. I thought they were going to end up pulling away over San Diego State, but it, it was the opposite. Houston pulled away. And I know last week, Robert, when we talked on the podcast, we were saying, I thought that Alabama would cover the big, I think it was seven, seven and a half points against San Diego State. I thought that yeah. San Diego State had not seen an offense like Alabama all year, but it was actually the opposite. It seemed like Alabama hadn't seen a defense like San Diego State all year. So is it fair to say, I know Florida Atlantic had a very nice run to the final four, but I think that if you if you look at the, the track record, I think San Diego State had a lot harder of a time getting there. Would you say that San Diego State was the most underrated team in this tournament so far? So that, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I did a little exercise because math. And <laughs> what I wanted to figure out was if you were going to do a rolling parlay from a sports betting perspective, because that's the way my brain clicks if you just look at doing a rolling parlay from the very first game two Thursdays ago and just betting a dollar and starting with a dollar on each school going all the way through yesterday, where would you be? So San Diego State, once they they, they move forward, if you placed a dollar starting bet on them, uh, 
versus Charleston, and then you roll them all the way up, you're at $16.65 after four wins. So you probably are looking at getting to the pre-dance future pool price of 80 to 1. If you go and see them, eh, yeah, they're a small little favorite. I'm just looking right now. They're a small favorite over Florida Atlantic. So you're not going to make much there. But then you're going to definitely be a dog to UConn. So that rolling parlay probably gets you close to 80 to 1. Wow. Uh, less versus Miami. Uh, but pretty good to get close to 80 to 1, given the upsets in SDSU's region. So nice little uh, rolling parlay there. If we're looking at the team that I think is the biggest of upsets, I'm staring right at you, you Miami Hurricanes. Miami, their team I had going to the Sweet 16. I almost picked them to go past Houston, but I didn't. I did not see them beating Texas yesterday, Robert, especially Texas had a 12-point lead late in the uh, – I believe it was late in the second half. I think there was eight minutes or nine minutes ago, and Texas had a 12-point double-digit lead. I didn't see them beating Texas at all. I can't say I'm totally surprised when they beat Houston because, like I said, I almost put them. But Texas just seemed like they were the hottest team, beside, not named UConn, entering the tournament. What happened with their collapse yesterday, Robert? Right, yeah, so that's exactly what I was looking, right? It's a tale of the two. First half, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's going to be Texas, you know, home field and all that. Uh, 37 to 17 run, and then 28 to 11, the last the last eight and a half minutes, they're, they're inside the arc was insanity. They shot 66% from two-point shooting. Uh, free throws, excellent job of getting to the line, 28 of 32. Uh, and, and this is the thing about Miami. They did this w- with only two three-pointers made, Allie, two. Yeah, yeah. In, in an era where that's all you do is hoist threes, they were two for eight. So they, they even they didn't even do well from outside the arc. Uh, you know, the inside, a whole other story. Uh, you know, they, they won uh, by a count of uh, 82 to 51. So... I mean, right now, if we go ahead and take a peek into Saturday, they're going to be five-and-a-half-point dogs to UConn. But, I mean, Ali, with, with this all started, we the, the hot inside sharp bet was Drake upsetting Miami. That didn't happen. Uh, Which I, well, I did not support. I said that was the hot pick. <laughs> that was actually the only 12 over the five that I didn't. No, I, 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 I didn't take Oral Roberts over Duke. But, yeah, I was not following. <laughs> That's the other one. Right, right. I did so not follow either of those. Yeah. They, they beat Drake by going full court on them, right? Then Indiana, it was all outside. That's Everything was from the outside. And then Texas, they, they beat him by taking only two threes. So they seem to be the most – malleable in terms of how they can go ahead and, and beat any school out there. That being said, unfortunately, they're going to be playing the the de facto number one, the one school that I know you had as the, your champion basically from day one. I like them as well uh, before laying off on, on UCLA. This shows you about my instincts. Uh, and, and then it's so, okay. Going back to the team that I felt was the biggest dog uh, and the most unexpected participant in the final four here in, in Texas, it's Miami, right? So again, doing this rolling dollar parlay, uh, you know, doing a dollar straight bet. So 
if you do a dollar straight bet on Miami versus Drake and you roll it up after four wins, you're at $35 and change. So it's 35 to one. So they were 40 to 45 to one just to win six games. So they're currently plus 180 versus UConn. You win there and that rolls it to about 98 to one. They'd be a virtual pick in the finals, which by the way, how insane would it be if it was FAU versus yeah. Miami? Yeah, uh, we wish we had Mark Thomas on for that one. I, I don't know if he's going to have an opinion either way, but I don't um, think he's a March Madness fan. If you get the Bucks, he'll he'll talk to Wisconsin. <laughs> but so basically, you know, if they make it to the finals, no matter who they play, they'll be a pick. So that doubles it to just under two hundred to one. Now that is fun uh, and far far better value than betting them at forty five to one uh, in future pools before the tournament begins. So. They, in my opinion, are the biggest upset to to go this far. And uh, yay for the Hurricanes. We'll have plenty to talk about in our later week's episode. Later this week, we'll talk about the Final Four preview and everything in our picks. But I do want to make this episode focus on what transpired over the weekend because there is a lot to dissect. Quickly, because I do want to get into UCLA and Gonzaga. That's one of the big games that I was just bewildered about how that unfolded. And as well as UConn and Gonzaga, what were the spread, the betting spread, the betting trends over the weekend, Robert? Was it more overs or unders? I felt like it was more overs just from my eye. Um, and what about dogs versus favorites? Right. So for the better part of the entire weekend, when you looked at what we were discussing, and we were discussing quite a bit about the totals and how they were going, well, significantly to the under, uh, the bets kept coming to the over. And so <laughs> regardless of how you looked at the the entirety of of the tournament, uh, you can't resist doing the parlay where you just simply, you know, bet on the favorite to go to the over. So uh, not so good. Um, dogs, 2-0 uh, straight up and against a spread on Sunday. Uh, Three and one straight up and against a spread in the Elite Eight overall. I mean, look, favorites are still leading significantly, 39 to 20 straight up. But against the spread, uh, it's it's literally right down the middle. It's like 29 and 29 with one push. Uh, that one pick them, which was uh, Gonzaga and UCLA. Totals on Sunday uh, was one and one, uh, two and two in the Elite Eight, uh, but under still significantly, 36 and 24. That's 60% against the spread if you go under the posted total of the entire tournament. I guess it's it's something to really focus on, too, because I would say, Robert, out of the four teams remaining, some of them have very, very good defenses. I think Miami's defense is underrated. San Diego State's defense is definitely underrated. UConn's solid defense. I think that's something that people should take into account next year when they're filling out our brackets, right? What defensive team can really shut down a team that relies just really on the three or points in the paint? What do you think about that? Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. Absolutely. And so it's one thing to have your your figures posted as you go when you definitely want to go and seed your teams that are uh, far more defensively efficient than not. You want to push them forward. Um, the ones that I thought were going to do far better were um, well, definitely Alabama, definitely Tennessee. Uh, so what their downfall was, was clearly just being buzzed and not being able to perform. They scored 55 points in the game that they lost. 
So yes, they did well defensively in that game, but it, 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 UConn, UConn's at another level right now. Uh, their adjusted offense has just skyrocketed since the tournament's begun. Mm-hmm. And but you know, to go back to your point, absolutely filling out brackets, predicting tournament play on neutral, uh, neutral grounds. Factor in defense, factor in strength of schedule. That's the way I did it. So before we get into the games from over the weekend, I just want to ask one more question Let's, while we're, we're on the Alabama and everything. What do you think is more disappointing for the number one seeds? Because Florida Atlantic, they made the final four and San Diego State made the final four. Both teams took out a number one seed. Is Purdue losing in in the in the first oh no well no Florida Atlantic didn't take out one seed they they took out the Fairleigh Dickinson that took them out but is it more embarrassing slash you know just uh, just eye opening that Alabama lost to San Diego State and they're the overall number one seed and couldn't make out of the sixteen or is it still Purdue lost to Fairleigh Dickinson a number sixteen seed what is more disappointing for me it is uh, Purdue. Uh, and their entire Big Ten get out of here. I mean, how many? How many made it in? Way too many schools qualified out of the Big Ten, and there was like nothing. Maryland did nothing. Michigan State, no. Indiana got beat by Miami. Uh, Illinois, why? So Penn State, you know. Again, I don't think that it's a we should really focus on how bad Purdue was. I just want to take the entire body of work, the whole conference, and significantly turn down their dial going into the tournament next year. Yeah, I agree with you there 100%. Let's talk about the game that I just could not believe on Thursday, and that is UCLA and Gonzaga. So I did have my brother play some bets for me back in Jersey. I hit the Kansas State money line, and of course – since I did win on that, I figured, hey, let me try to double my winnings and take UCLA's money line. I know a lot of people were coming in on UCLA, but I really liked UCLA. I thought they matched up very well against Gonzaga. I didn't think Gonzaga could keep up with UCLA scoring. I know UCLA was missing two of their starters. Still, Gonzaga pretty much relies on Drew Timmy. And I basically said before the game, just double team Timmy and, and you're fine. It seemed like everything was going the Bruins way. Robert, they were up by, I think, 13 at halftime. And then they just completely collapsed in the second half. And then they were down by 10 points with three minutes to go. And they came back and took a one-point lead with like 40 seconds to go. It was one of the craziest endings I've ever seen. But what was the tribute to UCLA just blowing it like that? Did they just run out of gas? Did they not have the bench depth? What did you see? Yeah, so first off, what did I see? Um, how many years has Drew Timmy played for Gonzaga? And, I feel and... like 12. <laughs> <laughs> and he's coming back again next year. By the way, this kid travels. I, I don't know if you saw the replays and and and, and some of the things. He that does. I... And, and in this fact, in the game against UConn in the first <laughs> half, uh, Mark Few was getting on the referees because they called Drew Timmy with two straight ter- travels. I was like, well, it's a travel. I mean, what do you want him to do? <laughs> he definitely picks up his pivot foot, but neither here nor there. I would do the same if I was that gigantic. Look, why? Why did UCLA look so awful most of the second half? They were getting absolutely crushed on the boards for the game. Gonzaga out-rebounded UCLA 49 yeah. to 26-26. to um, and I think that ultimately, you know, they they came back because they were able to hit their free throws, and 
you know, seemingly come on in and, and make it really clutch at the very end. I mean, a 14 to one, you know, run late, you know, it, it's, it's insane. Uh, but ultimately the, the, you know, Gonzaga, they couldn't close because of turnover issues, right? Then they gagged their free throws. It's just an amazing final minute. Uh, and, and honestly, that could have went either way. Um, so actually, you know, it was a 14, 14 to three run for UCLA. Uh but it, it was just an insane finish. Uh, ultimately, I think that if UCLA could have just done a better job, uh, you know, cleaning up their boards, they would have won this game. Let's move on then to the next game, which was Gonzaga and UConn. I know I had a lot of people ask me if I was nervous because obviously I've been riding UConn since before the tournament. I have the winning. I was not nervous at all, Robert. I, well, let me rephrase that. I was cautiously optimistic that UCLA would not only win and cover, but would do it pretty comfortably. And even though the first half was kind of back and forth, UC, uh, UConn did open it up before the halftime. I think they took a nine point, a seven or nine point lead. But I was never in doubt that UConn couldn't couldn't beat Gonzaga because I said they're gonna they're the team. Dan Hurley is one of the smartest coaches out there. They're gonna isolate Drew Timmy and double team him, and you take away Timmy, and Gonzaga doesn't have a team beyond that. They did exactly that. They held Timmy to single digit points in the first half. He got in foul trouble early. He was they were exposing his travel. I will say out of the entire tournament. This game, I was the most impressed with. And I'm not just saying that because I'm riding UConn, but they took a Gonzaga team that was hot, that people actually thought could probably go the distance, and they destroyed them. They won by almost 30 points. Is that fair to say that that might have been the most impressive win in this tournament? You know, UConn won by final margins of 24, 15, 23 and then 28, right? Yeah, almost 30. 28 against points. Now, take a look. It's against point spreads of nine and a half, four, three and a half, and then three. Mm-hmm. You know, I just mentioned that Miami is the biggest surprise. In another way, you, if for, from a surprise, UConn's got to be maybe the most massively underrated by market game by game mm-hmm. in terms of potential in, in tournament style basketball ever. Uh, they they were incredible. Now look, nobody's going to win shooting two of twenty on threes, and that and that's what Gonzaga did. Right. Uh, you know, with Connecticut, they were eleven thirty one, so they they did what they needed to do. They out rebounded Gonzaga, and and they they literally controlled the game right right from the you know first time out on. Uh, so they 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 are exactly what every coach's dream of in in tournament play uh great from the outside swarming defense excellent rebounding team uh and then just simply UConn's just simply the deeper more physical side you know no matter what against everybody right now Allie yeah I really and again because I need UConn to to win at least one game for me to win two of my pools so I don't want to jinx them but it just I know Miami just pulled off a great upset as well against Texas but UConn just seems unstoppable right now. Is that safe to say? Yeah, they are absolutely. I mean, again, it's it's not it's not a factor of you know where they got and how they got to this point. But I mean, at this point, Ali, there, there's very very little that you're that you're looking for in in terms of uh, offense because right now 
they're able to perform against any school that they're playing up against. And right now, as they as they face everyone, they are able to score with anybody. The defense is doing just enough to, to keep them in the games. We don't have to worry about strength of schedule anymore. Right now, this is as efficient a team uh, that there is. And I'd be honestly shocked if they didn't win the title. Let's reseed these teams right now. Obviously, if you had to recede power rankings one to four, UConn's number one. That's- where do you rank the next three teams, Robert? Okay, I will obviously yeah, it's UConn number one. Number two, uh, and, and this one's gonna be tight. It's gonna be San Diego State, uh, and then FAU. Uh, so basically the when, when I've got them split, I've got them split by like a point and a half, which uh coincidentally, that's the point spread. Uh San Diego State one and a half over Florida Atlantic. We'll cover that in a few days. And then Miami. It, it's probably like two more steps down to Miami. So it's UConn by a, a huge, huge margin. Um, Aztecs, then Owls, then Hurricanes. Yeah, I, I you know what? I, I impress, I'm very impressed with Miami and what they've done. But I kind of agree with you. I would take, if Miami was facing either San Diego State or Florida Atlantic, I would take Florida Atlantic or San Diego State over Miami. I just don't, I... I don't want to say that the Hurricanes have been lucky because Isaiah Wong is on a different level. He he's he's a stellar athlete. He's really led that team. Jim Larinaga deserves all the praise in the world. I just don't know. Has Miami gotten lucky, Robert, or have they really proven that they're you know one of the top tier teams in NCAA basketball? Yeah, and, and let me tell you, I don't think there's going to be another time, any time in the next decade that the Hurricanes are going to be able to come in and say, hey, we could actually win a title here. Every one of these schools is actually probably going to be able to say that because look at anyone that's a name and anyone that you're used to seeing as a brand in this tournament's long, long gone. Uh, with the way that Miami, and it's a shame because I wish Miami was on the other side of the bracket. I would have liked to have seen them in the championship, but yeah. they're, they're going up against the, the buzzsaw that is UConn. Uh, they, to me, are probably, even though I just ranked them as the fourth among four, they, they, they just seem to have a like a rubber band flexibility in terms of how they can, you know, pose yeah. threats against other schools. They so, adjust really well to their That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's exactly it. You got it, Allie. Because I think in just about every game, they have been down at one point. Maybe not Drake. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But they 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 were down against Indiana and they came back. Same thing against Houston. Like they they have seemed to just make adjustments where needed be. I don't think they excel at one part particular thing in general. They're just a solid team. So I'm really excited for the game, UConn and Miami. I do think UConn is going to win. We'll talk about if I think that Miami is going to cover later this week. But before we wrap up, Robert. You know, let's talk one more time about the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. What else surprised you in this one that we haven't mentioned so far? You know, to me, it was I, – I didn't think that we were going to see some of these schools appear uh, and, and go so far. Creighton, um, I'm pleased with how they performed. I didn't think that they would do, uh, you know, in, in advance as far as, I, as they did uh, – Tennessee getting eliminated to me, that one was definitely a head scratcher. I thought that we would have, we would have seen them 
uh, final. Oh, I wasn't surprised about that one, actually, because if you remember, I did we, well, we both did. We both picked Florida Atlantic to cover, but I said I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee lost. I was just not high on Tennessee this whole time. You know, I had them losing in the first round, so yes, I was too surprised. That's true. That's true. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm kind of circling everything around UConn. But if if there was again the biggest surprise for me, uh, kudos to Miami who definitely had a really rocky rocky way to get to where they needed to go here yeah. in the Final Four. Yeah. Allie, how about your biggest surprise? I got, so I th- I do think how UCLA ended up losing really did shock me. But entering the Sweet Sixteen and entering the the Elite Eight, I still got to go with Alabama losing to San Diego State. I did not think that they would get crushed the way they did. Like, what does it mean for Alabama's program, Robert? And actually, let's go back to this. Do you think that the tournament seeded all the one seeds wrong? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> yes. Like if you yeah. had like like not knowing the outcome, but. Do you think Purdue, Kansas, um, Houston, and Alabama, which team, like, like what team should have been number one? What do you think? Well, def- first off, get Purdue out of there hard. Definitely. Yes, no, I don't want to see I, Purdue. I was not high on Purdue all year. <laughs> Purdue should not have been. Kansas probably should not have been a number one either. Uh, if if anyone, I probably say Arizona should have been uh you know, a, a little bit lower as well. So if, if I'm right. going with my ones, uh, I, mean, I know this is crazy looking hindsight right now, but I, I would have had, I still would have had Houston as a one seed, uh, probably UCLA, uh, UConn and Texas. Yeah, I was surprised UConn was a number four seed. I thought they would had a chance at a number two seed, maybe number three seed. Right. I thought Texas should have had a number one seed over Kansas. They did yeah. beat them in the Big 12 tournament. I thought that they were deserving. I agree. Purdue should have been two minimum, maybe even three. I just was not high on Purdue. I still agree with you, Alabama and Houston, but I, I would be like you. Yeah, I'd put... Texas in there, and though even though UCLA lost to Arizona in the Pac-12 championship, I would have put UCLA there as well. I just Kansas, I was so impressed with all year, but they really didn't do well down the stretch. But I think Bill Self being in the hospital had a lot to do with it. But I agree with you there. And let's just ask one more thing. You know, all all the two seeds, Robert, really underperformed too. Arizona was out the first day of the tournament. Marquette lost to Michigan State, UCLA lost in the Sweet 16, and then Texas went and lost in the in the number um, in the Elite Eight. So at right. least Texas did something something that they were expected of. But how would you have reseeded the number twos? Great point. Yeah, and I could tell you late, as in like Monday, Tuesday, leading into the tournament, Marquette. Man, did we get so many tickets written on Marquette? To I did not title. fall into that. That's why I had Michigan State beating them in the second round. I was sold on Marquette losing. How right? So okay, uh, who were the twos? The twos I think were UCLA, Texas, Marquette, and Arizona. Yeah. Uh, Gonzaga should have been a two. Yeah, I think Gonzaga, Kansas would have dropped to number two if you put Texas as a number one. I don't think Arizona deserved. I actually would have given Kansas State a number two. I think they were a very underrated team, and UConn should have been a number two as well. Kansas State was way, way. I, I agree with you there. I, I think that they should have done uh, a little bit, a little bit better 
Um, and, and outside of that, I probably could think about, oh, man, well, <laughs> I jumped UConn all the way to a one from a four. So that's a pretty big gulp right there. The other twos, uh, yeah, UCLA as a two does make sense. Texas, I wanted them as a one. So I can't be too disappointed with them being a two. Marquette should have been bounced. Um, and then obviously yeah. Arizona, I don't, I don't believe it should have been there. So uh, reseeding them, man. Yeah, I, I, I like your, I like your point there with K State, uh, and then probably, huh, I guess looking back, I guess Creighton was definitely underseeded. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually think that both UConn and Creighton were the two best teams in the Big East. I did not get the Marquette hype. And you see it year after year. We've seen Seton Hall do that how many times? Win the Big East tournament <laughs> out of nowhere, and then they bounce in the first round. Yes, so right. I don't put too much weight on the Big East winner. And and again, I think I read a stat like Shaka Smart is something like 2-12 and 12 in the tournaments, and he led VCU on, on that ridiculous run back in 2011. I, think uh, it was 11, so. I swear going into this, I'm not, I got to admit it because it's too hysterical. I saw Shaka Smart. I'm like, hey, wait, he's a coach of VCU, isn't he? I think, wait a second. How many well, he made a trip in Texas VCU? in between. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was their head coach for a few oh, years. I, I think he's, they're still riding on that VCU run. I'm not <laughs> a big fan of Shaka Smart and how he coaches, but. That is our episode for today. It was great to recap with you, Robert. We'll be back later this week to give you a preview of the final four. We'll have all the odds. We'll have our takes. We'll give any injury updates. I don't believe there is any, there is any but if any surface, we'll bring them up. And before we sign off, Robert, any last words or thoughts for the audience? All right on. You guys have done so, so great listening in. And of course, you know exactly where to find us. Of course, we're at nothing but locks on Twitter and you'll see all the updates coming in from there. Any thoughts, by the way, go ahead and just reply to our uh, our podcast posts. Love to go ahead and talk about them as we start to lead into uh, what's going to be a, a really fun spring and a healthy summer. Very well said, Robert. We got the uh, again, we have the episode this week. We'll talk next Monday about the, uh, the finals championship. And then, Robert, we got the NFL draft coming up. We have MLB season kicking off, so NBA playoffs. We have a ton, ton to talk about. So it's a really, a really good time of year for us sports fans. Any, anything else? Again, I know I just asked you, but anything else all with right. all the sports coming up? Fine. Okay, I'm going to do it right here. You have a chance right this minute. You can have Lamar Jackson instead of Daniel Jones. Are you trading for him? No. <laughs> I'm not because besides Lamar's MVP season, I just don't see the numbers. I think we talked one episode, Robert, about how I compared Lamar Jackson's stats to Daniel Jones's this year. This is and this was before Lamar Jackson got hurt, and Daniel Jones surpassed him in every category. I know it's probably the unpopular opinion, but again, I'll keep beating the same drum that Lamar Jackson, he's just been injury prone as could be the last few seasons. I think he's missed eight games in or eight games in each. I think I have to go look at that number again. He hasn't had one season where he's played a full season. I just, I'm not falling for Lamar's hype. And I, I think that his, again, I'm not into quarterbacks that strictly are run first quarterbacks. I think Lamar is a run first quarterback. So no, I'm not giving up two first rounders or Daniel Jones for Lamar Jackson. Are you? <laughs> you know, now now that I think about it, I, I I will be happy. 
running into the season with uh, with Daniel Jones. I do think that Lamar Jackson should end up on an NFC team someplace. Though. I think he's going to be with Washington. I've I've said that since day one. I think he's going to be with the Commanders. I think he likes the fit with um with Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator. You have Ron Rod- Rivera who coached a similar player in Cam Newton in MVP season. So I think Washington's the favorite. How about you? Well done. Uh, that's actually a really, really good fit. And uh, I really would like to see him there. You're right. All right, everyone. We'll talk more football as well. Maybe we'll give a little preview. I'm sure a lot will go down between now and Thursday. Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer. I still don't think that Jess trade is going to go down. But we'll see. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>